This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Driven by Data, the podcast, season two, powered by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. We're delighted to bring you another season of Driven by Data, the podcast, which boasts even more data analytics and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Our aim remains the same to uncover how some of the most prominent leaders within the data analytics community tackle our industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, ideas, and experience. And just as in season one, to give back to the global data and analytics community. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season two. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Rob Wadsworth, who is the Director of Enterprise Data for Kin and Carter. So Rob, thank you very much for being here. Thank you for having me. Been looking forward to this for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. We got we got there in the end. So um, where we always start, Rob, as you'll know, is by asking our guests to give themselves a, a brief introduction into their background and journey up until this point, if uh, if you don't mind. Yeah. So it's um, quite new to data, um, but I spent most of my career developing um, big, gnarly software systems for the NHS. So prescribing systems, operating theatre systems. Um, all very data centric, um, but, but I didn't really realize that I was doing things with data until until a lot more recently. Um, after that, I spent, I spent a good chunk of my time at the BBC um, leading their cloud modernization of iPlayer, Sport and News, and, and then five years at Co-op where I really started my career in data. Um, I, I led their data platform, data engineering teams, and was one of the leaders in their data transformation program over the last sort of three or four years. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, so obviously keen really keen to kind of jump into today's topic and i guess it's one that um you know one that there's a lot of debate and probably a little bit of confusion around but before we do that just tell us a little bit about kind of kin and carter in terms of you know them as a business what they're up to and i guess where your role sits within the organization and ultimately you know what the job entails what are you what are you tasked with achieving yeah so kin and carter um are a digital transformation company um the Global, so about about 2,000 people globally. Um, we're more famous for our sort of web development, mobile mobile app development, um, working with companies like Tesco, Economist, Santander, um, lots of lots of big global brands. Um, we've we've only just recently became Kinnick Carter. We've been lots of other brands. We we were um, Amaze, uh, Solstice, Realize, Tab, um, but we've all recently brought all of these companies together under a sort of digital transformation banner. Um, and what that means really is that we, we've gone from being the company that people come in come to with a great idea about an app or a web service um, and, and we deliver it and we, we deliver a great service off the back of it to trying to get to be the company that's leading the conversation with clients and actually inspiring them uh, to build new products and services whether whether that's in in app or web or in data um, or, or just looking at how, the, how they actually operate as an organization um, so that they've always done 
data probably for 20 years. We've, we've had data teams on the edge of our app development teams and our web development teams doing um, customer measurement frameworks, A-B testing, trying to inform experiments, making sure that we're building the right features in the right ways. Um, and I, I joined about six months ago from co-op to help Kinecarta grow beyond that sort of product customer space and, and to really look at um, enterprise data as a whole, hence enterprise being in my, my job title. Um, really starting to work with our clients to help them understand that it's not just that sort of front of office bit of, of web and digital that affects customer experience. It's the full supply chain. It's um, how effective you are at a business at managing your stock, because if you haven't got stock, then you can't fulfill your orders. If you if you're inefficient about your costs, then you end up with higher prices. And that's also dissatisfying to customers as well. And and just really trying to inspire organizations to use their entire pot of data and, and to, to, be, to be become a better business um, and provide ultimately provide better experiences, better services for the customers. Um, so yeah, six months in, new to the world of consulting. It's been fascinating working with loads and loads of different clients over that time. Um, every single day is a, is a different conversation with a different group of people and a different set of problems. Um, more often than not, I'm, I'm always amazed as well at that just how um, early most companies are on, on the data journey. I think I think mm -hmm. when you work in big industry companies like Co-op, you kind of imagine that everybody else is further ahead than you are and, and <laughs> that you've got patch up and the grass is greener and, and actually working in consultants, you realize that's that's not actually the case. Everyone's everyone's in quite the early stages of this this journey, really. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes um, makes absolute sense and something that we kind of see day in, day out. I always find that funny right because you kind of you know from the outside looking in at some of these big glossy companies especially you'd think oh it must be pretty slick uh, slick operation and the, you know the, the 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 backside of that and, and actually when you get to know people there and understand what's going on it can be uh it can be a little bit different so um obviously you sent me an article um that i had a read of over the weekend and one of the points that it kind of tackles is around now is the time for us to start thinking about data in a different way mm -hmm. I, I think that's a great starting point so let, 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 let's jump straight straight into that what, what why what, what's the premise of, of that kind of point yeah well what what we talk about is the fact that technology is you know technology has evolved constantly over the last 20 30 years when it comes to data um you know warehouses the modern data warehouse was it was invented and then cloud came along and then data lakes and Every, you name it you know it's it's it, the infinite possibilities now when it when it comes to what you can actually do with data but when it comes to how people think about data nothing's really changed over over that time it, it's it's very much um data is produced it sits in a silo somewhere someone comes along with a very very specific um need and and, the, and there's a, a whole load of technology used to to answer that particular need usually in the form of a warehouse or, or a sql data mart or a very specific piece of of bi or artificial intelligence and no one's ever really taken a step back um at least i've not seen this and i've had so many conversations about people about this is at the point where you're creating data and actually said like what kind of what value can we actually get out of this 
like what are the infinite possibilities of this piece of data which we have newly started to create whether whether that's in an app or a form that we're collecting customer data in or, or some, some of the means um what, what if we actually started getting groups of people around the data and running workshops saying what value can we get out of this how can we treat the data as a product and, and actually explore its possibilities um for, for probably you know for quite a while now people have been talking about data as an asset um which is fine people have started to recognize it is valuable that's great but assets require investment and manufacturing and things to happen to the asset to actually turn it into something that that, that generates real value uh, to mm. revenue and that bit hasn't really started to happen um that's not to say people aren't developing products they are obviously they are like we've we've, we've what's this we're into 20 plus podcasts of people talking about all the amazing <laughs> things that, that different companies are building so people are but it's again it's that reactive um process let's say rather than a proactive process of going out there and finding the value mm-hmm. yeah yeah that makes sense so i guess just to, to kind of bring you back to that then what why do you think that you know this whole different way of thinking hasn't yet happened because i'm completely with you on this and i i, I you know, i've got a, a theory on this that is a lot of businesses go on this journey and you've probably heard me say this hundreds of times on this podcast but it's it's out of peer pressure it's out of fear of missing out it's out of obligation it's out of oh, our biggest competitors apparently you know smashing it out of the park with ai and as we've just discussed that's probably not happening right and i think a lot of the time it's 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 kind of born out of those things there's no real strategy as to what they what they want the end goal to be other than value in quotation marks and obviously it doesn't work like that right and then you kind of get these behaviors that creep in well let's just let's build the let's build the data platform okay let's collect all this data and then we'll try and figure out what we're doing with it that's kind of my take on it but obviously you're creeping into a different realm here where you're talking about thinking as think like product thinking right around this type of stuff just uh you know what why what why do you think we're we've not managed to kind of grasp this yet I think it is a lot of a lot of what you just said. I think generally businesses have struggled to even just understand the basic elements of how they're performing through traditional BI and um, often through fine, like more often than not, um, emerging out of a finance department, which was really just about like, can we balance the books ultimately? Like, can, can we just get our end of month reports to to, to balance and, and for, for us not to have to spend the entire weekend trying trying to work out where some missing lines are to, to sort of get the ledger to line up? Um, and and that that's still happening in, you know, probably nine out of 10 companies. So it's finances, difficult departments to work in because they, they have to do a lot of long hours to get these things to work. Um, and if we're always in that very reactive mode of just trying to manage the basics it's really really hard to take a step back and find the time and the space and and the headspace um to be able to actually think proactively um that that for me is probably one of the biggest challenges really it's just finding out finding the time to take a step back and be proactive about what we want to do and it's it's not just data i've I've worked in developing digital products for nearly 20 years it's exactly the same you start building a product it gets quite successful and then before you know it you're swamped in sort of small um 
irritations from customers and you're dealing with little bugs and performance issues and, and new regulation that's coming in and, and you, you start not having mm-hmm. time to actually invest in the features and be proactive anymore. Um, so it's not, yeah, it's not just data. It's, it's, and it probably applies to every process in every organization. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's probably more focus on the data remit though now, right? Cause everyone's talking about it. It's the next big thing where, you know, every business is trying to get to. So that makes, um, that makes sense. It's definitely at the forefront of, of every conversation that we're having as a company like that. I don't think there's a single conversation we have with any of our clients whether whether that's developing a mobile app or or web or doing digital transformation where the stakeholder isn't at some point saying and how do we use data to make that better it's it's in every single conversation to the point now where we actually include data people in every single almost every single conversation we're having with a client regardless of whether it's got anything to do with data because we know there's always a data discussion to be had um, and we know people are really interested in it as well. Um, yeah, yeah, makes makes sense. So obviously you, you crept into the realms before around kind of product thinking, right? And I guess you also hear the term data products, which you've spoken about. And mm-hmm. then there's also this concept of data as a product. Um, <laughs> what, what's the difference? Kind of un- unpack that for us so we kind of have a clearer understanding if you if you could. I, th- I think I spent I spent my first few months in my job trying trying to do exactly <laughs> this. Um, yeah, so three terms. So, so there's there's product thinking. I'll start with that one. That's probably probably the easiest one. So I I, I class myself as a product thinker. Um, and what what I mean by that is is when I when I approach a problem, I'm I'm first of all. Or, or, that's probably prob- the wrong way to start it. Is is normally somebody comes to you with a wanting a solution. So a, a problem think will immediately look at that and go, well, what problem are you? What problem are you actually trying to solve with with that solution? Um, who are the users? How is the solution going to actually benefit those users? And how are you going to embed it into their day to day lives? So a, a product thinking is about really focusing and and um, in on the problem space. It's really focusing in on who the users are. It's it's really kind of thinking how can I what what's the the long term value of this thing going to be and how am I going to own it? How am I going to look after it? How is it going to survive after the initial investment? Um, what's the how how are we going to build roadmaps? Um, so it's so it's about the the problem and the users. Um, data as a product probably the most confusing the most difficult one to explain um maybe not to not to people who work in data but definitely to people people from outside of data is is coming back to what i said earlier about getting a group of people around let's say a raw data source and saying how can we explore the value of this thing so how can we think about raw data in its in in its rawest form and, and apply product thinking to that in terms of what problems can it solve and, and who can it solve problems for and then how can I actually make it available in such a way that it in its raw form or, or may or maybe transformed into something that is useful for AI or something that is useful for BI um, how can we make it useful and usable to people so it's probably more applicable to application development teams um, people who are producing data and getting them to think about data as a product and 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 wrap that into their their existing processes um in the same way probably 
eight, nine years ago, product teams didn't necessarily always include service designers or user researchers or visual mm-hmm. designers. They now do pretty much everywhere you go by default. I'd like to think in a few years time, there's a data person embedded into product teams by default, always trying to explore how will people use the data and how can we get value out of it. And then data products, is, is that's, a, that's probably a lot easier to explain. Is The way I describe it is, is any product that is primary purpose is to use data in order to help somebody make decision or to make a decision easier or to make the decision for them or maybe to do the action for them um sat nav is always the easiest example of that you know it's telling you where to go if the if, the, if there's traffic and chaos happening it'll it'll give you a new route and it'll tell you to go left instead of right um so it's 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 predicting what is about to happen and happen um your weather app is another great one you know it's ultimately it's taking data about what's happening in the world and it's presenting you with here's some information about about what the weather looks like tomorrow so you can make a decision about am i going to wear my raincoat and all my gloves on my bike commute to work tomorrow or am i just am i going to put brave it and wear my shorts and t-shirt yeah um in a business sense that could be bi that could be AI. It could be any anything where we take that data and turn it into something that is usable by people. Yeah, yeah. How many businesses do you see actually trying to do this? And again, that probably you know flip it back to the conversation we've just had, right? About people really being typical organisations typically being early on in that journey. But obviously, I think you know trying to tie this together. This is obviously what we're talking about now in terms of it's time to think differently about this to make it more impactful and drive further value, etc. But mm-hmm. on the premise, you know, is this whole product thinking, data as a product, building data products, are these all kind of ongoing conversations with you know within the you know conversations that you have? Yeah, um, every day. I, I think. In terms of how many organizations are doing it, not many, um, not deliberately at, at least. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think if you were to go on LinkedIn and search for, let's say, a data product manager, you're not going to see that many companies that 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 you see those sorts of roles. Um, in my six months in this job and all the probably 50 plus clients I've, I've spoken to in that time, I don't think I've come across um, a, a data product manager or, or anyone proactively having let's say a data product portfolio or a backlog of data products to invest in they they have got uh, data portfolios and backlogs of big platform investment that, that they're investing in data lakes and that their warehouses and cloud migrations um, modernizing their approach to bi we, we see all of these sorts of things um, and then where we start the conversation is well why are you doing that like what how are you going to measure the the return on investment who are the users how are you going to see the impact and trying to switch the conversation from being a big platform investment or a big migration to being something altogether more agile and lean and focusing on a thin slice that's actually of of benefit to somebody Um, Mm. and hopefully switching it from a 12-month thing before you see some value out the other side of it to, to maybe a three or four week thing and and you've got real users actually getting the value or something hmm. it's, That's it's a hard conversation yeah well because i mean i think what 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 i find interesting obviously you know i'm very much ingrained into the data analytics world right and have conversations with people like yourself day in day out and hundreds and hundreds every year but also 
I'm not a data person, right? So I guess my brain probably thinks more in business terms. So I'm kind of, you know, when you're talking there, I'm thinking, yeah, that all makes sense. But how, how is that? I guess the next question then would be, how do those differences impact the value for the organization in terms of what's achievable and what's possible and how that's driven? Because I guess, theoretically speaking, what we're, you know, we're still talking about data. It's often the same type of data, right? It's just you're looking mm. at it a little bit differently in terms of, okay, well, how can we put something together here that's built for a specific purpose as opposed to we have data, how do we get value out of it, right? I think I think that ultimately comes down to, I think there's a, there's a perception that all of your big data platforms um, on all on all of the different cloud platforms all all require six to twelve months worth of investment to make them make them usable and stand them up because that that's what people see they see these big gigantic projects and an actual fact if if you were only focusing in on a couple of data sets and you were, and you were just trying to spin these platforms up to do one small thing. Um, so I've, I've worked with a government client in the last 12 weeks and we've built an end-to-end um, working cloud solution that, that delivers value in, in that space of time. Um, and, and it's set the foundation to then build dozens more products really, really quickly. So the, these things, they don't have to take a lot of time if you just focus on one thing. But if you if you go in there to build a data lake or a warehouse and you go in with the mindset of we're going to bring in all of the organization's data or we're going to build a warehouse that covers every possible customer piece of data and all of the different variants of that and you're getting into hundreds of different data sets that's that stuff's going to take a really really long time and it's going to it's going to cost a lot of money and you're going to struggle to um, explain to your stakeholders exactly why they've made that investment and what they're getting back from it so it's the art the art of getting value is just stripping it back and just focusing on something just one thing just pick one thing and do it mm. quickly prove the value and, and then just do another small thing and another small thing and another small thing and, and ideally you can get into like a really nice predictable rhythm where you're constantly adding more value and you're, you're constantly being able to explain to your stakeholders why the investment's worth it um and also on the flip side of that, if you can't explain why it's worth it, you probably shouldn't be doing it either because you've you've <laughs> you know you've 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 got it down to quite a small amount of effort to build that thing. And if you can't explain how you can return get a return on investment on something that's quite small, then you know keep going down the list and find something on the list that that is going to give a return on investment and do that thing instead. Mm. How how do we get to that point then in terms of the conversation we're having around? what's the right thing to start with? Because I think that is probably an issue that most people do, whether we're talking products or or not, right? You know, most businesses, they're kind of looking at this and obviously there's so many angles to this debate, right? But it's, you know, is, is it a fragmented model? Is it a centralized model? Where do you start? What's the best? Obviously, every organization is different and, you know, needs, wants, desires, what's possible, what's not, et cetera, all plays, all plays its part. But I guess if you're taking them on that product journey because ultimately we can choose a specific use case, we can spin up a product, we can show that it works, and then you know we can kind of move across the spectrum to tackle a bunch of different problems. Because I think that's probably what it boils down to, right? Is that most businesses, as you said, they kind of look at this and go, wow, there's a lot here. <laughs> we're trying to do this across our, we're just trying to make our business better. Okay, well, that's a big, bold statement, right? But how do you get to that point of saying, okay, this, you know, this would classify or a product thinking would work in this environment how do you get to that point i think it's it's probably more about finding the advocate than finding the problem 
Um, Interesting. So it's you, you need someone high enough up the organisation who gets it, or at least wants to get it, and, and and who's also willing to put a bit of um bit of money behind it, and also maybe a bit of their own sort of um career on 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 backing it. Um, I was I was really lucky at co-op in that with that we had a number of, of really good sponsors um in our cmo um and 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 in our cio as well who really got behind um the concept of what we wanted to do with it and gave, gave us a bit of space and a bit of time to to build some small products and prove prove the case um and when, one of the first things i do when i'm going into an organization now is i'm looking at who's the person on the call that's getting excited about this who, who's the person who's going to be really engaged um, who's ideally going to sit around this in the C-suite when everyone's being sceptical about the investment and they're going to wax lyrical about the value that they're going to get from it and they're going to support it and, and show an interest. Um, and then it's, as is always the case, when you've got somebody who's really motivated, it's what what do they want? Um, you know, it's it's they're not going to be interested. In, let's say it's a CMO, they're not going to really be that interested in improving a supply chain fixing a supply chain problem with some some AI, it's probably going to be something more customer focused. And likewise, if you've got someone who's heading up distribution, who's who's your advocate and who's getting really excited about it, they're, they're probably going to be more interested in some sort of forecasting tool than they are about customer segmentation or lifetime value. Um, so so find, finding the advocate and the person who's going to get behind it and then finding out the thing that they're super interested in and your list is getting narrower. So it helps you get something to focus on. Mm. So ultimately, it doesn't matter what you start with, really, as long as that first thing you do, you can do it quickly and prove the value. You, you're then using that to go out and sell the idea to everybody else. Yeah. Does the kind of the measurement of that value or that return, is that made any simpler by it being productized, for want of a better word? I think... Yes, ultimately. So, so you're, you're focusing on a much smaller domain. Um, at, at co-op, one of the biggest, the best successful examples we had was all about um, reducing waste in stores um, by giving the store managers. Uh, it was a really, really uh, low tech. Ultimately, the output was a PDF every morning that, that told them, gave them guidance on what to put in the oven and when, based on weather what was happening in the local community, um, you know, is it Easter weekend or is there a football match on, well, so, so, so that they could then reduce the amount of waste of croissants, <laughs> sausage rolls, any, anything that went in the oven that, that had a very short shelf life. If, if you can get that right, you, you can save a hell of a lot of waste. And that's really easy to measure because it's ultimately how many things are you throwing away each day? Um, I can't go into the detail of exactly how much money was saved off the back of that, but a considerable amount. Mm. Um, and that is, it's. I use that case study all the, all the time as an example because it's really easy to relate to, you know. Um, and the thing that I like about that particular example was the product itself was the PDF. So it really advanced sort of um, machine learning and AI and everything be, be in the background actually coming up with the data that went into it. But the the users, when you worked out who the users were, were store managers and the store managers generally dealt with a, a, an app or a, um, a mobile phone in some cases and they just needed something really easy to read and it turned out a PDF was the best way to give them that information every day um, and that worked really really well for that particular group of users so nothing fancy um, 
but it but it worked and it helped them do their job better better each day um, yeah yeah it's really interesting use case that because obviously there's so much debate in the industry right around i guess the the skill of interpretation you know so we can create all these great fancy dashboards that look sublime but it's all dependent upon the person that's looking at that right and if if they've got to try and get into that detail and interpret something whereas what you've described there is there's a literal pdf that says put this many of these in the oven that's it right which makes uh, which makes perfect sense back to your earlier point then because I'm just thinking out loud here, but I imagine that there's probably businesses out there doing something similar, not in terms of the use case, but in terms of the the you know the reason why they're doing it, who probably don't realise they're making, you know, using data as a product or building data products or whatever the case may be. So, um, do, do you, is that kind of fair? Do you think there's businesses doing this? Because you mentioned earlier, right, around they probably you know they might there's not many actively doing it or if they are they don't know they're doing it so is that kind of a, a common thing do you think I, oh, 100% I mean if, if I looked at my career before the 18 years before the last two years I've probably spent my whole career doing it and never realizing right. uh, especially <laughs> building NHS products because NHS products are predominantly it is around data informing workflows to to try and reduce waiting times to try and make the clinical setting safe safe safer it's 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 very much data led and yet I, I don't think at any point in my career up till a few years ago i would have said i've been building data products um, even, even though i probably had been um for, for most of that time um I, th- I think the thing that they tend to not be doing is is they, they you, you'll quite often come across people who yeah they've they've found the use case and they found some users and they're doing some of that but but what they quite often don't have and this is where I think I think they could really benefit is taking that same sort of agile team approach where where they do have the product manager and they are actually looking at the the full cost of ownership of that thing the how is it packaged how do you take it to market within your internal organization how do you know what's the change program to make that change actually stick um you know co-op had to train there's over four thousand stores to roll that out there's a lot of store managers that need to be taught how to use that pdf so whilst it's a simple solution applying product management and and all the things you would do to a product means you start thinking about the the, the bigger um the bigger context and I, I think I see a lot of organizations missing that um, to doing the development right but not necessarily thinking big picture in terms of the full roll roll out and making the change stick. Hmm. That's interesting because I was going to ask you next around what do you think is holding people back from having that product thinking mindset and it's evidently they kind of are but it's almost by accident Mm-hmm. right you know there's, there's, something's happened where they've gone okay we could do this but they've not realized that in effect it's it's kind of products thinking what needs to change then because you started to speak around the whole change and transformation which makes you know obviously i bang on about on this on this podcast all the time but if you think about it purely from a product perspective you know i don't know coca-cola wouldn't bring out a new drink would they and then just make it and then go all right okay Right now we need to let people know about it, and now we need to find a, a target audience for it. Right, all of that is kind of done at the start. Right, you know, so they know exactly what they're making, who it's going to be for, who's getting targeted with it, all of that type of of good stuff. But evidently, if organisations aren't thinking like that, that becomes really difficult to to do. Right, and probably why people are stumbling across specific use cases where that works. What do you think is holding people back from just kind of having this mindset from the top? Probably the fact that 
historically it's not you know if if people have built a report or a bi suite in the in the past they, they haven't done all of that stuff necessarily some some actually that some organizations do um but then trying to convince the people who who invest in the budgets that we've, we've developed something that's very similar to this thing that we've always developed in the past but we want a change manager and we want to do a communication plan and we need a service designer to work out how to invest in before you know you've got four five extra people when previously it was a bi doing it developer doing it side of desk you know for for next to nothing that that's <laughs> quite a considerable investment to jump from hardly like half of a person's time to four five and a half people's time um so you need to be able to tell the story nine times out of ten the easiest way to tell the story is through past failures um i've had some great conversations recently where i i've been talked through some some failed um initiatives relating to to ai a very company that's become very skeptical and and isn't quite sure whether they want to continue the investment because they've been burned quite a few times in the past and I've left them with the thought of what if you'd have had a change program wrapped around that, that considered who the users were going to be and how you were going to roll the change out and actually project managed it in, out into the workplace. Do you think that the thing you developed would have been successful? And they've gone away and have come back a few weeks later and they've said that's a really interesting thought. Yes, it would have been successful because actually the thing we developed was fine. It did its job. It worked. We just completely failed to roll the thing out properly um and and they've really yeah not quite known what to do with that information in terms of the next steps to take it um and that's kind of where we start to try and help organizations on that journey as part of the, the digital transformation element of what what kin and carter do is is kind of kick-starting that process of of working out how to embed the change yeah well, I'm so glad, Rob, that you've used that example because, um, as you know, I harp on about this all the time, right? It's never really the technicalities or, you know, what, what we're building that lets us down. It's all of the so-called softer side of the, the role right around kind of the change management and getting the stakeholders and the influencing and the adoption and all that type of stuff. So glad to glad to hear you say that. Um, you're starting to touch upon there around the the, the kind of people aren't thinking like this because it's probably a more significant investment mm -hmm. in terms of actually getting to this point. How does this alter, I guess, how you build and structure a data and analytics team? Or is this more data people sitting in product teams? Or And I guess, you know, obviously it'll change, right, for different businesses and the time, you know, whether it's a centralized team or a siloed or whatever the case may be, but kind of, is there a kind of general party line on, on how it, how it differs? I, th I think I have a, I have a view of how I think it should be. And, and, and as I have a view of how it, it probably is more in reality. Um, <laughs> I, I think, I mean, going back to, again, I've, I've gone through the, the beginning of web and then the beginning of mobile and I've been on this, I feel like I'm on this journey for the third time now with data because at the beginning of web, people didn't think we need to invest all of these other people in the teams I did. It was just a random web developer in a dark room somewhere throwing <laughs> some web pages out um, without any testing, without any design, without, without any content re research. Um, and now uh, any web team is five, six, seven, eight, if, if not more people invest in the same with web the same with mobile um so i like if when i'm my my starting point recommending how people should 
wrap data people around teams and organize them is to organize them around products is is if, if you can come up with a concept for a data product and you you can wrap a team of people around that and you know that that product is going to need to be looked after for a one year two year three years then what you've got is the investment case to to fund those people and, and to create a really motivated very specialist team focusing on that thing um if you take every idea in a roadmap and wrap that concept around it you can end up with 500 people very quickly <laughs> and yeah. no one we're going from like having a data team of five to saying i need 500 you know that's never going to fly so the reality of it is um you end up building more of a center of excellence of, of trying to make sure that you've got really well looked after analysts really well looked after data scientists really well looked after data engineers that they've got crafts and communities that they can feel like they belong to but trying to organize them around the products um so whilst they whilst they exist in these towers where they they have a home and, and they're looked after is is actually day to day they, they go in they exist around these products that they're looking after which gives you a bit more flexibility and it means that organizations have to be a lot more um, thorough and strict about how they prioritize as well, what what they're working on, because you can't just spin up 50 product teams, because um, even if every team, if, I genuinely believe organizations could, because if every product team genuinely has a return on investment, then why not spin up 50 product teams? Because they're all going to pay for themselves. Um, it's, it's just a very daunting task to set mm. off on. So, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing, I, I kind of, I've been going in, talking to organizations like that and then kind of pulling it back to more of the, the center of excellence um, sort of approach. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, that, and that makes perfect sense because basically what, you know, that that's, I'd say, how the majority of data analytics teams will, you know, if, if it's a centralized type of form, mm-hmm. it just, you're just giving it a, a, a focal, right, a focal point in terms of your, your focus is this product or these suite of products as opposed to you being sat overarching across across everything which makes which makes perfect sense i mean data product outside of you know what you'd expect to hear around architecture engineering and governance data product is probably the thing that we've been doing most of our working so we're definitely seeing a shift towards that way of thinking which is is good um i'll put you on the spot here a little bit but are there any kind of roles within those teams that are more pivotal than others so let's just say we've got someone out there now listening to this that thinks it's a great idea i think that might be something that we can go and look at in terms of the resource that they've got available to them because data product is now becoming its own thing right but these are typically people that have got other skill sets but just have that product way of thinking right as opposed to yeah. them being a product person that's used data more times than not if that makes sense yeah it is probably the the product manager or the however you want to label it whether it's a product manager or a product owner um in some organizations that might be a delivery manager like an agile delivery manager or a delivery manager it's, it's the person who is capable of and, and you've talked about this a lot in, in in your podcast is being able to have that human conversation with the stakeholders and and relate to the problem that they're trying to solve and and then relay that back to the more technical people in the in the team into whether whether, whether you're doing user story backlogs or however you want to describe the requirements into the team the person who bridges the gap between the problem and the technology is is by far right in my opinion the most important person in the team um when i started building my team at co-op um from it being pretty much just me at the beginning to, to building a very very large um 
sort of data engineering, data product set of teams around me. The first people I hired were product managers, um, people with a product mindset to go out and start having the conversations and finding finding the problems that we could solve. And then we started building engineers around them. Then we started building the the bringing in data scientists from from the existing data science community and analysts and BI developers from the existing uh, analytics and BI communities um, into these multifunctioning product teams. Mm. Yeah. That whole translation piece, right? Which is yeah. so so important. I'm quite disappointed the data translator title didn't stick. To be honest with you, about two <laughs> years ago, that that kind of came up, and I thought that'd be a pretty cool title, wouldn't it? You know, um, but but there you go. Um, we spoke earlier about the the ability to kind of demonstrate value and ROI might be a little bit easier with this kind of product mindset because mm-hmm. it can be spun up a bit quicker. You know, you've got something tangible to to work from as with the use case that, that that you gave us are there any kind of core differences in terms of the investment on that out of interest i think it's, it's you're probably getting into a more with traditional teams you're investing in a department so you 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 have a budget for the year of 12 data engineers eight data scientists four analysts and five BI developers and that's your your departmental budget and it just is what it is and it's locked in stone and if somebody leaves halfway through the year you you, you negotiate whether you're going to get to rehire them or whether you're giving money back into the central pot as, as a cost saving because this is what organizations are constantly going through um when you're thinking product that's completely different because you're you're not funding a department anymore you're funding the development of a product of an initiative so you you can build the business case for that particular thing and you can either i've seen it happen in multiple ways either either the center of excellence in the department is sort of just seen as a cost people have to go off and basically cross sell they have to get people out of that central pool and and they build back to that central team which is i always find that a very strange way of working but i've, I've seen it most, in fact i think most organizations work in in that way some somehow or another um or it's almost like the internal consultancy setup right? yeah yeah it's pretty it's very common very common and then or you could just have it that that team funds itself and and they, they're literally saying like we need two data engineers a data scientist a data analyst and they give the money to somebody to, to top the central budget up for them to, to go and get it um and and the key thing there is because if you do it that way you then get into a re- the what i think is a really good habit of actually tracking that roi on a monthly basis you know what are we spending how near are we to getting the value from the thing because there's a point we, we said in a business case that after 18 months we'd hit the little cross on that where, where the lines cross over and you get you get that little return on in, on investment and the the revenue starts exceeding the the amount of money that you spent on it if if you do things in the more traditional departmental way you, you never really feel the need to track that roi it's 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 part of a bigger marketing plan or it's part of a bigger product plan and you never really have any focus on it and then three years later when somebody says what was the value you got out of that product no one can explain it because no one tracked it in the first place yeah um yeah. personally i always used to even if i was in that more departmental mode i used to track everything i was doing as products anyway just because it, it felt like good practice to do so um i definitely recommend any 
anyone leading any sort of data team or data initiative team to try their best start putting together a little spreadsheet that, that tried to work out where, where the value was coming from and how much money they were spending so that if somebody ever does ask them, they've, they've got it in front of them and they can have the conversation. Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting because obviously, you know, as you'll know, many of the conversations that we've had on this podcast is around the difficulty of putting tangible figures on mm-hmm. ROI. And often it's for that reason, right? You know, I guess the, the beauty of this product kind of methodology is that, you know, it's finite, right? The, at some point in time, this will be built. Of course, there might be new updates and kind of, tw- you know, tweaks to it to make it better. And there's some maintenance cost, I'm sure. But largely speaking, you get to a point where it's built and it's been a success or it's not, right? And that's kind of yeah. m- measurable. Whereas what we tend to get in the more departmental way, as you called it, is, you know, right, we need to build this data lake or data warehouse or swamp or whatever we're calling it these days, right? And then you get to that point where it's kind of like, okay, who who, who we attributing this cost to where does that cost start and end is is the cost of the technology that we've bought written off after the first project or forever will we use it you know it it kind of gets really messy and very gray quite quickly right so that makes perfect sense oh well worse like some cost fallacy kicks in and and people just keep investing for the sake of invest because we've we've put so much money in now we just need to keep going if we just just Three more months will get us to get us to the, <laughs> the invisible line that we never set in the you know in the first place. Um, and 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 you see it, and people go and they go and they go, and three years later, the whole thing gets binned. And there's a report in some newspaper about a big failed IT project, which are more more and more common big failed data projects. Um, and you can avoid that by thinking small, small incremental, measurable things. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, Rob, it's been great to have you on. I guess before we wrap up, um, just holistically speaking, if there's anyone out there listening to this podcast that's thinking, look, this this could be a way forward for us, what are the kind of key, you know, nuggets of information that you'd give them in terms of getting them started on that journey to, you know, product thinking and being able to kind of implement it into their organisations? I think it's we, we always say start with strategy, um, and what we mean by that is is take a step back and understand where is the organization going what what are the kind of key what are the kpis for the organization as a whole are they trying to increase sales are they trying to cut costs are they you know where 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 is the organization right now and and then as as you start building that down into the product thinking and solving problems is like what problems can we solve that actually link back to the direction of the company and if you do that you can't really get it wrong because it's really easy to explain back to everyone above you in the organization this will up the dial on this particular kpi and and it's aligned to where the company is going Mm. yeah you can't do that it's always a hard conversation you you have to be able to link it back to that that ultimate direction of the organization yeah how much last question i promise i know i said last question but this is the last question how um how do you get people on that kind of journey in terms of thinking about where the best point is to start and as you were speaking there this I don't think this has ever really kind of occurred to me before but obviously we always talk about start with the strategy what's the business trying to achieve is there an opportunity where's the challenge like you know and and we talk about that yet that seemingly doesn't happen all that often because we hear about all these you know failures in quotation marks right but 
if someone if you came into our office and said right Kyle what would you know would you like to up sales reduce cost mitigate risk I'd be like uh, yes 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 I guess <laughs> <laughs> so how, how do you know kind of where to take them because I'm, I'm sure that you know most CEOs business owners business leaders they, they'd like to do all of the above right but there's some things that are going to be more attainable than others I'm sure how do you kind of start to to pinpoint those opportunities I think mean, one of the things I find is like usually the shareholders are telling you um there's, there's there's usually a little bit of if, if there are shareholders the shareholders are telling you like reduce the cost of x or you need more sales or um solve your attrition problem because it's not looking good um you know there's there's, there's usually something already sitting there underlying i think if you, if you sat in on four or five board meetings it's like what's getting discussed the most like yeah. what's the what is number one on the agenda week after week after week after week that that'll be the thing that you probably want to be focusing on so if i was coming and sitting with you i'd probably sit silently in the corner of your your, your meeting you have with with your peers and, and <laughs> kind of like what what is everyone stressed about what is the thing that is keeping people up at night and giving them grief and how can we focus on that yeah and there's always something it's sometimes it's hard to explain what it is but when you listen and you watch it's it's usually quite visible what that thing is yeah yeah well rob look it's been a pleasure having you on a great conversation i think there'll be a lot of people out there take a lot from this podcast so um really appreciate your time and um yeah look forward to seeing how your personal journey unfolds at kin and carter brilliant thank you very much that's it for this episode of driven by data the podcast i hope you enjoyed it I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these too. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week.